The views and opinions expressed by contributors on the Spoon River Gothic podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect the position of the host. Material heard on the Spoon River Gothic podcast is intended for adult listeners. This podcast deals with mature topics that may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. This is Spoon River Gothic, narrative of a double homicide. Mr. Jeff Bennett. This is he. Hi, my name is Jenna, and I'm conducting research for a criminal justice report on Donnie Bull for an upcoming podcast. I was hoping to know if now was a good time to chat with you about him, or if uh, we could talk at another time. Uh, who's it for? It's for an upcoming podcast on um, Donnie Bull. Upcoming podcast for Donnie Bull. Yes. Yes. Um, I tell you what, is, is this your direct line? It is. Okay, what's your name? My name is Jinra. That's J-I-N-R-A. J-I-N-R-A. Yes. Okay, when I'll leave here, I'll give you a call. All right, will do. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Hello? Yes, it is. Oh, hi. Sorry. I was just calling you back. You were talking to um, somebody from Loneberg Media named Jinra. And she yeah. Had, uh-huh. She had a technical issue, I guess. I don't really know the details of it. But they asked me to give you a call back because you were in the middle of a conversation with her. Um, you you worked at the, is it USCO gas station? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so um, did you know Donnie Bull? Yes, I did. I knew him as a customer. Oh, okay, okay. Um, do, you, do you remember? What do you remember about the case? Just about he set a woman on fire and her kid. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you, I mean, how, what did you think about Donnie? What was he like? Well, I thought he was a decent guy. I mean, he came in every day for coffee. Okay. Um, so, he, you know, that's what I've heard, too, that he, he came across, he could come across very normal and congenial and that type of thing. So did you know him outside of the gas station? No, uh-uh. But I was working at that gas station for quite a few years. Yeah. Um, is that the gas station that was close to Donna's house? I would say four or five blocks, probably. Oh, okay, okay. What do you remember yeah, about that day? Um, he was in for coffee, and he was hanging out. Oh, what time was that at? Ah, uh, shit, I don't know, sometime in the morning. Oh, okay. 
Was there anything weird about him? No, uh-uh. Seemed normal. Yeah. I think he... It's been a long time ago. I'm thinking that he said his car was broke down or having car issues or something. I don't know. Oh, okay. Something with his tire? I can't remember. Oh, okay. So, so what's everybody bringing it up if he's dead? Um, it's going to be a podcast. We're working on a podcast. It's going to be a season, and it's going to be about the uh, Donna Tompkins case. So we're going to be looking at a lot of different aspects about the case. You ever okay. the podcast? No, I don't know what it is. Oh, okay. They're like, they're, it's like, um, you know, they're like radio shows, basically. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see nothing out of the norm. Okay, but he did have you know, car trouble. He did say he had car trouble that morning. I believe so. Yeah. Um, so, do you remember like finding out about the fire and then finding out about the investigation? Um, I just heard about the fire. Yeah. And then you didn't hear about the investigation and that Don no. investigated. Okay. No, I just Googled it. <laughs> oh, you you just Googled it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's not that much out there about it, is there? No, huh? Yeah. Um, but you, so when you, you were living in Canton and you didn't know that there was a trial going on and that Donnie got convicted? Yeah, I knew there was a trial, but I never did follow it. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, based on what you know now, um, since you've Googled it, do you think that justice was served? No, I do not. Oh, you don't? No. Why do you say that? Because why should us taxpayers pay for somebody in prison like that? He should have went to directly death row and shot in the head. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. So you think that the death, ten the death penalty, he deserved that, and that the only problem oh, yeah. is that with the system is that they shouldn't wait so long to put him to death. To the exactly. That's what you're saying. Oh, okay. I got yep. you. So you think he was guilty? Oh, yeah. Had to been. He, he, he's probably hanging out with me for a lullaby. I see. Okay. Well, you know, a lot of people drink coffee at my place, but uh -huh. still. Right. But you don't yeah. remember what, what time of day it was. It was around 9, 8 or 9. Okay. But he was in there for a while, probably an hour. Oh, wow. It was that... Wait, wait, which, which people people do that. Yeah. Because they can go in and shoot the shit. Right. Interesting. But were you surprised? I mean, based on the fact that you said that he seemed like an okay guy, and then here he is, he's convicted of murder? Yes, I was. Yeah, because he came, he came from a good family. Oh, you know his family? Well, just from an innocent, yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting perspective on the community. I worked for years in a coffee shop. Yeah. You get to know people. And yep. You get to know them in a way that other people don't know them because they come in every day and you see their routines, you see their moods, you, you know, you have conversations with them about their life. And yeah. Yep. Do you still do that? No, huh? I did it for 30 years, though. Wow. Were you the manager? Yes. 
Um, is there anything that else that you can tell me or you want to tell me about Canton or about being in that no. position in the community? Because I'm fascinated by the community. Yeah, the community is great. Canton, yeah. Canton is a big town. It's a pretty good town. Oh, okay. Well, you stayed there all your life, so it must be. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and like I said, I'm very, I'm very happy he's dead, especially when he murdered the girl and her kid. Right. Do, did you think that that there were any other suspects? Boy, I don't know. Probably not. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I do appreciate your input. You're welcome. Have a good day. Bye bye. Hello. Hi, is this? Yes, it is. Hi, this is Anne Marie. I think you were uh, talking to Corey. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. Um, you know what I'm saying? I I don't want to kind of not incriminate myself, but put myself out there for. Um, well, we can keep you anonymous. Oh. Yeah, well, that's fine. If you're comfortable talking about Donnie. Just according to what the questions are, and I I really don't have a whole lot about it. The main thing is that it was just horrific. Well, do you have specific questions then? Yeah, I just, I'm curious to know about Canton, Illinois. I'm from outside of Canton, Ohio. So it's, oh, always, it's huh. always funny when I hear Canton, Illinois. I didn't even know it existed. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, it, it, it is a smaller town, but it isn't. It wasn't too small, about 14,000 people. Um, and um, it was a pretty booming community before the International Harvester closed down. And um, a lot of the people moved then to Indiana to another harvester. So what was International Harvester? What do they do? Is, oh, it, they made all sorts of um, farm equipment. Uh-huh. It had been there for years. And um, it was a, a big employer of the whole community and county. And um, I, I can't tell you how many people worked there, but it was huge. If you Google it, you'll, you'll see the factory, how big it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I can't tell you what year it closed down, but that caused a lot of problems in the community for jobs and uh, families being separated. Some of the men had to go to Indiana to work and um, Ohio, and uh, the, sometimes the family stayed back. Sometimes the entire family moved. It was just according to what where the kids were in school mostly, but it, it caused a negative impact on the community a lot because... Mm. What year was people, that? You know, I don't know. I have to Google it and see. I can't okay. remember. Yeah, that's okay. And so you you were... Now, were, were you from Canton yourself? Yes, I was born there and so was my husband. Um mm. 
and uh, we, yes, we came back and taught there. I, I taught at the elementary school and he taught at the college. There's a college right outside of town called Spoon River College. And uh, a lot of the kids would go there because it was a junior college and then they go on to, to a four-year school from there. And that, that was a positive thing in our community. And, and there were many positive things, but that really knocked the economy when that moved. Yeah. Um, so my brother ended up, he was in management. He ended up going down and managing the Memphis plant for a while. And uh, they, they were just all over, you know. It's, it's, it's comparable to John Deere or something like that I don't know if you're familiar with farm equipment but a little bit not too much mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah that sounds like a devastating blow to a community that it was is built around um, uh, so I can imagine uh, so how did the how did the community you know I, I don't want to say bounce back but how did they adjust well it has never been quite the same economically but they right now they are they people there are people that have taken hold and started things and like uh, at the time a lot of the businesses ended up closing and so on but then now they're starting to reopen and after the i can't even tell you what year it was but one later the it caught on fire and nobody knows what caused the fire, but anyway, it, it burned and burned and burned and black smoke, very, it was really toxic. Mm -hmm. um, um, and it's, it was very strange that it did. The International Harvester had a whistle, uh, a big, loud, deep whistle that would blow when the people would go for lunch and then in the morning it would blow when they were just to be at work and then it would blow again when it was time for the workers to go home now there were night workers but anyway uh, everybody missed that whistle so much because mm -hmm. it was just you know you could just you kind of knew by the whistle if you had to hustle somewhere yeah <laughs> yeah but, um, it was really the base of the whole community. Wow. It went, for a while, it continued in Memphis and Ohio, I think. I'm trying to remember where in Ohio that was, uh, because some of my friends' husbands worked there. But like, if there were, like, one of my teacher friends, um, her husband ended up there, and. Um, but she had her job, you know, and lots of years, and so she stayed back, and then he would come back on weekends. It was quite a drive. I wish I could remember the name of the place in Ohio it was. But some of the people had to go out of town for work. But it was it was a devastating blow to the community. Yeah. But they're coming back now in different ways, you know, things like art shows and... Uh, more um, oh, aesthetic things, you know. Yeah, yeah. People trying to keep it going. 
Right. And it has changed the community some. They, there was a prison built outside of town, and that kind of changed the atmosphere also. Um, I got mostly it was just the workers around, but um, anyway, it did help the community have work, right? You know, for some people, mm-hmm. and then you know, had Ken always had a wonderful educational system, always. Uh, they were known for it, at least by their <laughs> students, you know, mm-hmm. that went on to college. I remember the many compliments I got. In fact, my English teacher wrote back to my English teacher in, in high school because the other kids had, hadn't had this, as much training, you know, as we had had. And it, it was just lots of talent. You know, there were the little theater outside of town and, um, you know, just a, a kind of a regular community going to homecoming games and things like that was, you know, for the kids was a big deal. <laughs> how did, uh, just out of curiosity, how did Canton get uh, started? Like, you know, what was its history, its early history, if you... Right. I was a, a settler by the name of Isaac Swan. And uh, actually, I taught at the school, Isaac Swan, and that's where Donnie was in fifth grade when I was there. I, I believe I only had him for maybe reading or something. We switched classes for reading and math. And I, I can't really remember that's a long time ago, and I got lots of students. It just kind of, when you think of all the students you had, it, it really adds up. <laughs> I can't imagine. I know my dad went to school and graduated there, and my mother graduated from a small town called Lewistown. Another thing that they do around there that they started some years ago, as they call it, Spoon River Drive, and it's near the Spoon River, and they have all sorts of crafts and uh, entertainment and things on this scenic drive all around the county, and it even goes out of the county, I think. Um, and that was another thing that was, you know, promoted a lot. They always had a friendship festival and uh, in the fall. Mm. And uh, that was really fun for the kids. Our school, Isaac Swan School, looked right out on the where they had the carnival and everything. <laughs> Boy, let that come. And it was hard to keep the kids' attention because our windows looked right out oh, to where yeah. that was. I can imagine. But, uh, mm-hmm. but um, no, it, you know, it, it was a good place to raise children. We, we came back from the Chicago area and raised our children there. And, you know, mm-hmm. they got a good education too. It was just, <clears throat> it was just, uh, I don't know, just a good place to bring up children. Mm-hmm. Home of Lincoln. <laughs> I, I was going to tell Corey, there probably are some other people that might have more information than I do. You know, um, there are a lot of people that are more historians than I am sure. I've, I just almost been I've been away about tw- almost 20 years now and so um, so and you were a teacher you taught the fifth grade in yes I did Canada. I taught mm-hmm, at Ingersoll and then or not 
I'm sorry, I have gone backwards. Uh, at Isaac Swan, I had taught in Hensdale, Illinois, and then I came back and taught at Isaac Swan. Um, and then it closed because there weren't enough students in the town after things started to go downhill. Mm -hmm. And I closed that school, and then I went to Lincoln School and then to Ingersoll School. One thing about it, Canton had many, um, well, especially one benefactor that there were many buildings, schools, the library in town, beautiful library, uh, just uh, everything, beautiful parks, and um, his name was Ingersoll, and he really left money that it's just unbelievable what all was built, and they've always kept up the buildings, you know, I mean, they had to tear some down and build new, but that, that money was always there, you know, it's a wonderful library for a small town, I mean, it was just kind of unbelievable, they were ahead of their time at the time, you know. Yeah. So you were Corey's teacher? I was. And what I kind was. of a student was Corey? Well, he was he was quiet, but he was a good student and um, you know, I you don't remember every one of them, but I remember Corey, you know, he never caused any problems and um had a lovely mother and Cooperative mother. Yeah, they aren't all cooperative parents. No, yeah. As the years went on, they became <laughs> less cooperative. But anyway, um, that Corey and I then met, uh, I, I don't know, somehow I, uh, I, I don't know, he had written something and I guess I saw it, or, you know, and so we became corresponding and for a while. I was reading his first book that he was going to put out, and that was when my husband was ill, and I never did get to finish because I just, uh, my eyes, I have kind of bad eyes, so. Oh, yeah. oh and Canton had a beautiful golf course uh, right in town, mm -hmm. and um, that eventually went under oh. to, and now it's a cornfield. It was beautiful, my dad. I'm glad he didn't live long enough to see it become a cornfield, oh, <laughs> you yeah. know, because he was on the board there. It was really nice. Mm -hmm. But the Big Creek Park there, uh, we'd be, they, we had a swimming pool that was built in, uh, oh, during the Depression, they had the TVA and what else did they have? I can't remember what else. The work when they hired people to work on it through the government and the most beautiful swimming pool was built and um, in fact that's where I met my husband I was working there <laughs> anyway um, it, it was just outstanding it was built up instead of level and just beautiful but after a while it, you know after the 30s I think that's when it was built during the depression and so it finally became obsolete, I guess. It, it was something else. It was way ahead of its time, too. No, it sounds fabulous. Uh, yeah. And um, the medical, we always had a clinic there. And uh, now 
it has expanded. Uh, but there's a there was a fairly good sized hospital that served the whole county and the area around, you know, and we had really good doctors. Some were, you know, nationally known with their medical society and so on. And uh, we were glad to come back home where it was just a little bit different life than the suburbs that we yeah. were <laughs> yeah so was your husband so, from there too then yeah because yes, you met yes, at the swimming he was. pool okay oh, yes he was uh-huh oh, and yeah. uh, so he taught at the college he was a biology botany teacher and microbiology <laughs> so did you want to talk at all about donnie i'll just know that the former teacher was devastated you know just i mean i just never dreamed in a million years of i knew maybe that there were problems but not like that you know yeah and um so how did you get interested in this through corey through corey okay yeah yeah um you know just the it's an interesting case there's a lot Mm -hmm. of dimensions to it the backdrop of canton makes it interesting as well Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. what was donnie like as your student i i just really don't want to say it's okay not, not exactly pleasant. Okay. <laughs> I just, I just, I prefer not to say. All whether, right. You know. No, I understand. I don't want you to uh, talk about anything that makes you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I told Corey that some of the people at the high school would probably know a little bit more, and, and like people from that historical society, I'm sure some of them would be glad to talk. There is. Um, a Facebook page if you grew up in Canton you know like in my day back in the well 50s I uh, graduated in 55 but we had a hangout that could have been on happy days you know a wonderful place yeah but it was um, it was great the people that ran it just loved teenagers it's a good thing because some of them were pretty ornery <laughs> but, yeah but mostly they were very good mm. and uh, you know we had the drive-in uh restaurants and all we had several of those like three at least and uh, it, it was it was a very good town to grow up in sounds like it how mm-hmm. fun uh-huh good memories yeah oh that's good all but, right. Uh, okay, well. Thank you. Hope, well, that's okay, and thank you, I guess. Hello? Hi. Hey, how did that go? It was interesting. She was uh, hesitant, and she said, well, I don't want to say anything bad about Donnie. I said, well, we can keep you anonymous. And she said, oh, she talked for a while. We talked for about 25 minutes. Um, you know, I got I got her to talk about Canton and what it was like and a little tiny bit of early history and the fact that she and her husband were from there. She talked about, you know, what a great place it was in the 50s. And, you know, we talked about a lot of that. 
I found out what kind of student you were. <laughs> I don't even... I don't even know what kind of student I was, so that should be interesting. <laughs> well, I, I was trying to <laughs> make her comfortable before I asked her about Donnie. She really didn't want to talk about him. My feeling was that I didn't have a good experience with him. That was interesting. And I asked her, I said, you know, so what was Donnie like? And she froze up. <laughs> she... She's, you got to listen to the recording. No, I will. She said, I will. she said that it wasn't a pleasant experience, that she, we never expected it to get to go as bad as it did. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can read, you can read between the lines. Okay. Um, I wonder what she's worried about exactly. Maybe I should have there. probed harder. Maybe I should have pushed her harder. No, it's now okay. I'm like second no, it's okay. guessing myself. It's all right because if she is not, she's not comfortable about it. She has, she has her reasons for it. So maybe she's just really, you know, like I told you, everybody's afraid of this boogeyman, and maybe it's just real. Maybe that's really real. Maybe even though he's dead, people, she's they're still like, I don't know. That's <laughs> like nothing but trouble messing with that. Right, right. It's interesting. It is interesting. And it's like, how do you crack that nut? How do you get people, mm-hmm. you know, to talk about it? There's so nobody There's nobody who's going to come after them. So I'm just curious, like, what it is in their mind, you know, like this mysterious thing that they're afraid of. I don't really, I don't know. It's just interesting that people are so afraid of this, of talking about this. Is it what because you, it's such a small town or are they afraid of something else? Like, what is it? I don't know. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, no, I think I think that um, it depends on who's looking at it, and you can't base your decision process about how what you're going to put out there and how you're going to put it out there because you're trying to shine the light on this, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, if you want to tiptoe around people. I don't know that that would be a you know maneuver you'd have to decide on, but <laughs> I don't put I'm you know I don't trust anything at this point. Yeah, um, I feel like I did, people will do whatever they want. You know, there's no real rules. Right, you're looking for a needle. You're looking for that person who's willing to talk about it, who's not afraid. Um, you got to decide that. Yeah, well, I'm trying to be transparent. That's what I'm trying to do. I wanted to show everything, you know. But right, if, but if right. it's going to make people feel like I'm going to sabotage them, it's public information. So I don't really understand. Yeah. It is. You're right. Yeah, so why can't I expose the narrative? Right. I just think that, you know, this guy, Kevin, he's too, you know, woven into the small town. Mm-hmm. And, and that that's why he's not talking. That's the only reason why. And it's funny because he said he was a journalist and he understands what we're doing. But then he talks out of the other side of his mouth and he's afraid to be a part of it. And as a journalist, he doesn't agree. With yeah. Because, I mean, that's... I don't know. I'm just showing the process. I'm just... Then maybe that means that what I'm showing is something questionable. You understand what I mean? Like, what is it about... So maybe you agree with them? No, 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 no. 
I'm saying, what is it about the message that is so bad for me to share? People don't want, you know, that's in the past. They don't want to look at it, you know, on one hand. And that's what I keep saying. I said, you know, we don't have an opinion either way about it. We're just, you know, there's so many layers to this story. It's very compelling. And the fact it, you know, we're trying to shine the light on it. Mm-hmm. And what the truth is. And what is the truth? And this is what I told him. I said, the truth is what the truth is for you. What the truth is for the people that we talk to. That is the truth that we're trying to uncover. And whether he realizes or, or not, his reticence, his, his desire to not be associated with it is a truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How effective they are is a... Is a- is something you know in itself yeah he doesn't want to look at it he's like you know i just trust the system he kept saying that i trust the the system and you know i don't want to be a part of questioning it i don't even know so if it all comes down to like that instagram post here's here's what i'm saying like if it's so bad that i'm showing what people are giving me then is that on me or is that or is it because I'm exposing something that somebody else is doing that's shady? And if I can't expose that, then what are we even doing? You know, like I think it's the nature of a podcast to show everything and of course people are some people are gonna be turned off or freaked out by right. it. Right. Right. But also that's right. what caught his attention. So maybe I did something right. Well, and that's part of the story is his reaction to it, but yeah, all I did was post a reaction from the from the the guy who writes the narrative for the police department. And if that's so bad, then I don't even know. Then it doesn't seem like there's much else we could do because it's going to get a lot worse than that. Yeah, I mean, it is. You know, I mean, that's really nothing. Like, really nothing. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking about the soundbite of Alan Friedman saying... There was something fishy about it, you know. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have po- posthumously, you know, written the clemency whatever petition mm-hmm. unless I thought there was something wrong. Permission. He said he would be willing to go on the record saying that. He just wants to uh. be able to have all the documentation in front of him that mm. will make him feel more comfortable well, that, about a formal interview people right? hear it take it more serious be more freaked out by it you know the more people who are uh, inspired or freaked out the good the better because it's like we're scratching this mosquito bite and the more we scratch it the bigger it gets the bigger it gets right. the more there's exposed that is exposed and that's what we right. want to do is right. we want to we see what we can bring to the surface and I think right. there's a lot I mean there must be something there because this is nuts I know for you like you've never even been to Canton you don't care and to tell you the truth Canton scares the shit out of me I'm terrified of that place <laughs> it's I'm interested in the history because I'm a history geek but but I, I hope we can look at know, this I hope we can look at this to the side of Canton you know as like a universal story you know like all well, and the you know the, if we can use this you know the interview whether we say who she is or not, she talks about um, the what was the name of the company that closed down? International Harvester. 
Yeah, she talked about that, drew a picture of what that was like for the town. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, right there... I talk about how when the factory shut down, there's like a shadow that just came over the town, you know, like as... You know, like, basically everybody started um, driving to Peoria to go to work, and what was left behind is just like... Everything was boarded up. Okay. Were you even born? I was born in 1980. Okay. But I've seen pictures. There was like, you know, it was like a bustling town, you know, like Corvettes and fancy cars everywhere. And like. She described that. She described that really well, especially about back in the 50s. And, you know, it was like happy days. And there was a place that we went to that was like the place on happy days. And she talked about the drive in restaurants and. And then all of a sudden you bring up Donnie and it just turns like a sharp corner. That's a good way to describe it. She said you were a quiet student, but you never you never caused any problems. And I mean, it was not very long, but she for her, from the teacher's perspective, you were great. I don't know. I don't... <laughs> I wasn't a very good student, and I was always getting in trouble, so I'm not sure. Oh, and your mother? Oh, really? <laughs> and she said that your mother was, you know, a good parent to have to deal with. That's good. And what age was... I don't even remember what grade that was. Did she say? I think she said fifth grade. Fifth grade? Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Right. I mean, there's no way around, like, you know, the context of this story and this guy Donnie that you know people don't want to talk about yep you t- you direct me you tell me what you want I'm very yeah I feel well you keep talking about being able to shift and I feel like we're shifting right now so I'm trying to realign everything according to the direction the story is going now because I feel like it has just made a big shift for some reason because now, now that the community is aware, kind of aware of what we're doing, it, it, like now we know how it's going to respond to us. Sort yeah. Of. So I'm trying to figure out how to approach it with this new perspective. Gothic is a production of Lone Bird Media in association with CZ Studio and Radio Verite. The show is produced by August Olson, editing, directing, and producing by Corey Zimmerman, audio mastering and engineering by E. Mastered. Research is done by Anne Marie Cannon, Chelsea Mesa, and me, Jinra Illustrissimo. Spoon River Gothic is written and hosted by Corey Zimmerman. You can follow the show at czstudio.works and read the blog at spoonrivergothic.com. Show some love by leaving us a rating or review on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And stay tuned for the next episode as we dive deeper into the Donald Bull case. Thank you for listening. This is Spoon River Gothic, narrative of a double homicide.